Hey, it's PJ. A uh, quick note before we start the show. A lot of people are hearing Reply All for the first time this week, and we wanted to direct you to some episodes that you might like in addition to this one. So episode 29, The Takeover, that is one of our favorites. It is about the most teenage teenager that I've ever met in my life and the fake company he started on the internet. Episode 42, Blind Spot, has Sruthi essentially, by sheer force of will, turning herself into a real-life house and investigating a medical mystery. And then episode 47, Quit Already, that is about a grandmother who made a Facebook post that accidentally helped topple a government. So check out those episodes, check out the rest of the archives, and enjoy this week's episode. From Gimlet, this is Reply All. I'm Alex Goldman. And I'm PJ Vogt. And we are back. Back in the new year. Yeah, 2016. Welcome to the new year, everybody. Do you have a resolution? Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't have a resolution. Should I? Do you, is there something you'd like me to do? No, I was just asking for your, your relationship with yourself. My relationship with myself is so thoroughly broken, I've given up introspection. It's pretty cool. Do you want to hear my resolution? Sure. 2016 is the year of no more seething resentments. Wow. Good I got in a fight with somebody at a restaurant. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> they were yelling curse words, and I was having dinner with like my dad and my sisters, and they were yelling curse words, and normally I would have seethed in resentment, and so I walked over and said, hey, this is a small restaurant. You're yelling curse words in it. Could you please stop? And what'd they do? They said okay, and then they muttered a bunch of things about me that I could kind of hear. So uh, did your resent- seething resentment subside? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Okay, so we are not here to talk about our New Year's resolutions, uh, although we have. Um, we're here because Sruthi Pinamanani has a story for us. Yes, I do. Um, so... Do you want me to tell people what it's about? Yes, please start it. So this is a story about a family. And this huge thing happens to the family, and it puts them into a situation where they just have no control. Like, they've got options, but they're not real options. And the way that they decide to deal with it is to invite the entire world into this very personal problem they have. And when you first told me about it, it sounded, like, unfathomable to me. Like, it did not—it didn't make sense. So you went to find out what was going on. Yes. So let me— start by introducing you to the couple. Amy Green Hi. and Ryan Green. Um, oh, we have our buffalo chicken. Oh, wait, you got you have hot wings from yesterday? No, I already ate those. I think that's why I'm suffering this morning. <laughs> because you ate hot wings? I ate reheated hot wings. They live in a small house in Loveland, Colorado. They fell in love chatting online, got married. As soon as they turned 21, they moved into this house the very next day. They had their first son, Caleb, their second son, Isaac. Um, Ryan was a computer programmer, and Amy took care of the kids. They were just living in a mess of diapers and toys, going to church every Sunday, and then in 2009, they had Joel. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. 
Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. When Joel was born, how old were you? Um, I, gosh, I was thinking about this the other day. If I was 25 when Caleb was born, and then when Isaac was born, I would have been like 27. Yeah, I think I was 28. I was 28 when Joel was born. (laughs) I figured it out. Things were going fine. And then right around Joel's first birthday, he started to throw up a lot. And Amy and Ryan noticed he was tilting his head to one side. The doctor did a bunch of tests and found a tumor in his brain, a particularly rare and aggressive kind called an ATRT. So when you have an ATRT, you go through all the most intense chemotherapy and all the most intense radiation. They throw the kitchen sink at it. And doing that, you have about a 50% chance of surviving for five years. I double-checked this, and it turns out the odds of survival are even grimmer. It's a 50% chance of surviving just two years. When you hear this kind of news, is there any part of you that's like, what if you don't do the treatment? Sure. I remember before his first surgery, asking them a lot about, like, will he have to have chemotherapy? And thinking to myself, because I can't do that. Like, maybe it would be better for him to just die now, because I don't think that I can, like, put my kid through chemotherapy for years. But then as time wore on, and by the time we actually even heard about the the tumor, then you're just thinking like, oh, well, 50%, like, that's half. Like, yeah. we've got a good shot that he gets through this. What do you think, Isaac? <laughs> he just, he's, he's in the hospital, so they're taking care of him. This is from a home video of Joel's brothers meeting yeah. him in the hospital. Isaac is two and a half, okay. looking kind of scared. Joel is a little over a year old. He's lying in a small red wagon, hooked up to an IV. One of his eyes is turned in just a little. Doctors may have nicked a nerve when they removed his tumor. He's skinny, and his head is perfectly round. His food food goes through that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Joel went through 10 months of intense treatment. Amy and Ryan spent six, seven, eight hours a day holding Joel in a hospital bed while he got chemo. And then his parents spent nights feeding him through an IV. Um, and so it'd be like this eight-hour pump, and, and it would be this, like this white, uh, milky substance uh, that would provide all of his nutrition because he couldn't swallow very well. Even the sweet moments were sometimes hard to enjoy. Like one day, it was Amy's shift. She was holding Joel. I was sitting in his um, room with him and I was singing him a song and clapping and he was clapping his hands and then he was sort of like babble singing along. And so like for me, it was just one of those moments that you felt like, oh, I'm always going to remember this. Like sometimes you just have a moment and you go, I'm going to remember this the rest of my life. And then that made me sad because I thought, oh, like, but the reason I think I'll remember this the rest of my life is because he could die. Um Until eventually I did just kind of decide, like, I think I need to be all in. Like, I think I need to love him like mad. And I think we need to live our lives like he's going to live. That's what they did for a year. And then in November 2010, just before Joel's second birthday, the doctors called them in and said, we're really sorry. Joel has a new tumor and there's nothing we can do now to cure him. Best we can do is radiate the tumor, ease his pain. 
And this should have been the end of the story, but it wasn't. There was this one night that Ryan says was the worst night in all of Joel's illness. Joel had a stomach bug. He was throwing up, got dehydrated. So Ryan spent the night with him in the hospital. I just remember him really wanting apple juice because that was one of his favorite things at the hospital. But then I'd give it to him and he'd just throw it up again. I wanted to give him juice because that's what he wanted. But I knew if I gave it to him, then it would be, you know, it hurt him. And he's crying and crying and his cries just get more frantic and animal. And there's nothing that Ryan can do. By the end of the night, he had just such sunken eyes. But I just remember, like, I wanted to hold him and I couldn't put him down because he would get so upset. And when Ryan finally did put him down, Joel would start hitting his head against the wall of his crib. Eventually, Ryan himself started to lose it. He was crying too. And then, in the early hours of the morning, he lay down and prayed. And I remember that's when he stopped crying and he fell asleep. And it was just one of those... It's one of those few moments in life where, like, it felt like an answer from God. And um, it wasn't like I heard a voice or saw, you know, a burning bush or anything like that. But it was just, it felt so much like mercy. And beyond just sheer relief, Ryan had this other thought. Frankly, a weird thought. This whole ordeal reminded him of a video game. Like, you have to get the baby to stop crying, so you keep trying things. Give him juice, bounce him, talk to him. But the weird thing is, in this awful game, none of those things actually work. They're all like fake choices. Ryan thought, what if I could make a game like this, where you, the player, you don't really have control? Can I bring you to that place, the place that I'm in right now? I want to show you what it feels like to feel helpless, but to have received grace. I felt like it would be ultimately encouraging to people. I remember he really was like, I want to make a game about that day that Joel was dehydrated in the hospital. And I said, that's terrible. That's not a game and no one will want to play that. Like, I think that that word game meant like something you do in your leisure time. You know, and so who wants to spend their leisure time reliving the worst moment of a man's life? So I said, do not make that. That is horrible. But he clung to the idea. So finally, Amy said, "Okay, I'll give you three months. He teamed up with two other people, an indie game designer, a sound designer. He raided his savings and together they built a prototype. So a few months later, it's the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco alongside Assassin's Creed 3. Battlefield 4, the new Oculus Rift VR headset, there was Ryan. Okay. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Ryan. I'm going to talk to you about a personal game that I'm making. My son Joel had just turned one year old the day that we found the monster in his brain. Ryan is standing in front of a bunch of young tech dudes. They're listening kind of half-heartedly. Joel is alive and fighting his eighth tumor. Our doctors fight for him. Our family fights for him. And we serve a God that's the God of the living, not the dead. And that it will give you life. Amy stayed home, fretting because they were almost out of money, and she was worried that Ryan would come home feeling crushed. But that's not what happened. Ryan got back and said, It was amazing. This person introduced me to that person. That person introduced me to that one. There's two or three different people who want to fund my game. 
it really blew my mind because I'm still just like, because of your dehydration game that I told you to never make? And he realizes like, you've never played it. Like you've never played the scene. So Amy puts on the headphones and finds herself back in the hospital room. You're playing as Ryan. He looks like he's made out of origami. You don't see Joel. You see an empty crib and you can hear him crying. You can move your mouse around the screen and options appear. You can walk around the room, give him juice, bounce him. But no matter what you do, his crying just gets worse and worse. Okay, buddy, okay, I'll hold you. Stop. Please. After five or six minutes of this, Brian sits in a chair, drops his head into his lap, and prays. As the player, you can't control when it starts. The prayer just happens after a while. Not there. With you. God, I want to be with me. Please. And then the crying stops. And Amy says she just lost it. And I was just crying and crying. And I knew Joel was okay. And he was like right there. Like Joel was right there with us. And and yet it it brought me back to that space in a much more real way than I thought that a video game could. Amy didn't need any more convincing. She said, okay, let's do this. Let's pull the rest of our savings and make this game. They named it that dragon cancer. Coming up after the break, Ryan discovers what might be the world's biggest design problem. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Essentia is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
This week's episode of Reply All is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Squarespace features easy-to-use templates and 24-7 support. And I have a Squarespace site. It is called goldman.gripe, where I post all my gripes. Or at least I would if I didn't find it so difficult to write them. It kind of puts me in a really dark headspace. I think you can have gripes and be happy. Like, I think there's such thing. I think there's a lot of joy in a lot of your griping. What's joyful about my griping? I think it's a way that you notice the world. Like, I think that, like, Walt Whitman, like, runs around the world and he's like, oh, everything's so beautiful. I want to write a poem about it. And you run around the world and you're like, there's a rainbow. I don't like rainbows. But it's just the way you're seeing things. Sometimes I feel like my grapes are genuinely like a caged animal who has no power in the world and just has to be yelling. Which animal is that? I don't know, a gopher. (laughs) (laughs) Gophergripes.com slash Goldman. So, on PJ's suggestion, I made the website gophergripes.com slash Goldman. If you go there, you can submit your own gripes. And if your gripes are really good, not only will we add them to the website, but we will read them in an upcoming Squarespace ad. Go there now and start your free trial site today at squarespace.com. Make sure to use the offer code REPLY to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for Reply All. This week's episode of Reply All is brought to you by CISO. CISO is a premium comedy streaming service. It's like a curated comedy channel. They have classics like Monty Python and Kids in the Hall, and they have original series featuring very funny people. And there's new stuff added every week. PJ is a serious comedy connoisseur. And serious comedy connoisseur? How about I like to laugh? My co-host PJ, well, he loves to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> My co-host, PJ Vote, loves comedy, talks about it all the time, so he decided to choose something that he really likes. They have a new web series by the people who started the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, which is like the theater where every comedian that you've ever heard of and love, if you're me, came out of. So, Name three. Bobby Moynihan, Amy Poehler, Ellie Kemper, all of them. So I'm really excited to see all that stuff. You can watch shows there right now, totally free and ad-free. There's no credit card required to try the site. If you want access to the full site, it's $3.99 a month. Download CISO and get 24-7 streaming of classic shows and never-before-seen originals totally ad-free. Not that there's anything wrong with having ads and things. That's S-E-E-S-O dot com, and you can start watching all the comedy you can stream. Welcome back to the show. Before the break, Ryan and Amy decided to develop a video game about their son's battle with cancer. And they named it That Dragon Cancer. The title's a little misleading. This is not a game where you go out and slay dragons. Instead, it's a series of immersive vignettes. The first scene is at the pond. You start off as a duck. You paddle towards a little boy. It's Joel, or this origami version of him. He doesn't have eyes or a mouth, but he has a voice. And that is actually Joel's laugh as you hand him pieces of bread and he throws them into the water. Okay, no, you throw it. Joel's almost five, right? The kid speaking here is Isaac, Joel's brother. What? But he, but he can't talk. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> you always can talk. Yeah, I know. Why can't Joel? Well. Joel got sick right after he turned one. Um, kind of slowed him down a little bit, buddy. So he's just slower than most kids. And there's other vignettes. Like, there was this one time in a hospital when, to keep Joel entertained, Ryan blew up surgical gloves like balloons. 
it's this gorgeous scene where you see Joel floating into the nighttime sky towards the moon, holding on to these surgical balloons. And then you see these black burrs appear from the corner. That's the cancer. And they pop the balloons one by one. Or there's another scene where you're in the hospital, you're sitting with Joel in a little red wagon, and the two of you are riding down the halls. The walls are glowing in blue, green, yellow. And the goal is to collect all the chemicals. They look like little gems, and you move the controller to grab them. And throughout these scenes, you play mini-games, you discover rooms, listen to voicemails from Amy. There's even little levels you can beat. But... The cancer is always around the edges of this world, thorny and black and creeping in. No matter how well you do, you will always follow the course of Joel's illness. And at one point, you'll arrive here, the waiting room where doctors tell Amy and Ryan that Joel's cancer is terminal. As they break the news, rain starts pouring into the room and Ryan slowly starts to slip under the water. We've given you a lot to think about already today, but we're going to have you come back Monday, and we can talk about palliative treatment. We're very good at end-of-life care. We're very good at managing pain and masking symptoms at the end of life. This is a moment where words like play and game are a pretty tough fit. It's certainly not fun. But for Ryan and Amy, these heavy scenes are worth it. Because they contain these other moments that they've been lucky to experience with their boy. Like, there's a scene where you blow bubbles for Joel and he keeps asking for more and more. And there was kind of, for me, this beautiful picture of what it was like to have a child that was sick because you would think to yourself, oh, I would do anything I could just to be able to play with him and hear him laugh. I would blow him bubbles for days. So they worked on the game for months. Joel, who everyone said would die after four months, he was alive and well. The palliative radiation killed his tumor. And the next one, and the next. Amy started calling it the cancer that cried wolf. Joel hit all these milestones that Ryan and Amy had taught themselves not to expect. He turned two and a half and said his first word, uh uh-oh. He learned to swallow and eat normal food. Go! He turned three and took his first steps. Go! He just became this miracle baby. Amy said that somebody in their church said they had a vision. She had a vision that Joel would do great things. So anyway, things were going well. Two filmmakers called and asked if they could follow Ryan and Amy around, make a documentary about making this game. So there's all this video footage around the game's creation. Yo. It's gone. It's gone all right. Here's Ryan at his computer on a design edit. He's talking to Josh, his partner on the game. 
Where'd Josh go? Uh... <laughs> Josh starts playing peekaboo with Joel. I don't know. So you've got Ryan designing a game about Joel, who's sitting on his lap the whole time. You've got his wife, who's helping write scenes in the game, and she's acting in it. And now they also have six other people on the team, developers, 3D artists, a sound designer. I've sat in on some of their design meetings. They all happen on Google Hangouts. I feel like my character always shouts. <laughs> and I feel hey, like that's... Can you be a little bit quieter? You're blowing out the speakers. <laughs> I feel like it's because Ryan always directs my audio. And no, you get no, more intense and yelly. You're just all like, well, da, 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 da. and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> That's just because I'm a better actor than you. Nope, I'm blaming the directing. You're a bad director. <laughs> For three years, the routine was the same. Joel would get a tumor, they'd radiate, it would go away. Joel would get a tumor, they'd radiate, it would go away. This happened 15 times. And then this routine breaks. The doctors tell them Joel has new tumors that they cannot treat. He explained to us that the tumors that were there um, one was in a field we had already radiated, and you cannot continue to radiate an area too much or it can cause brain death. And it was right on the brainstem um, where he'd received the most radiation before. For the first time, radiation was not an option. But Amy and Ryan knew that this couldn't be the end. This is the cancer that cries wolf. So they found an experimental drug trial in San Francisco, and they decided to go. They packed up their whole family, four boys including Joel, and drove the 1,200 miles. They lived in San Francisco for two whole months. And the treatment, it didn't work. Joel stopped swallowing, he stopped walking, and eventually he needed an oxygen tank to keep breathing. So in March, they drove back home to Loveland. I remember the first night we drove him around the car and he loved that. Like he wasn't he wasn't doing well, but he loved going in the car. And after an hour of driving around, we tried to get Joel out and he kept pointing and saying go because in sign language, that's how you say go as you point and he'd shake his head and point go, go. Um, and so it was hard because he didn't want to get out of the car. And yeah. so you were like, well, maybe we should just drive you around for the next few days. A few days later, Amy and Ryan invite everyone they know to their home. We had a prayer night just praying for him to be healed. And we just had everyone over and we spent, you know, hours just worshiping and praying. There's video footage of this night. It's in their small living room. There's family members, friends, people from their church community. Ryan is holding Joel and they're praying. All we have is death here on this earth. That's all we have. The only hope we have is your resurrection, God. So why would hope hurt us? All I have is my disappointment. That's what I start with. But I have hope that, that you fulfill my disappointment, that you make it right, that you redeem it. God, it's the mind who see, and it's the deaf who hear, and it's yes. the dumb yes. who speak. Yes. And God, I believe you do all of those things. Yes. I believe that you can do all of those things. What's your strongest memory from that night? I think it's just realizing that he was going to die that night. And that, um, I don't know. I, it's the, it's that space of being with a bunch of people that desperately want the same thing that you will and are crying out 
for that grace and that mercy to kind of invade a situation. Joel died later that night. It was March 13, 2014. And even though he'd been terminal for more than three years, Amy said that at that moment, she was completely unprepared. I feel like in a way, because we were believing that he would be healed and because we were believing that even if he died, maybe he'd be raised from the dead, like, which is wild. And you so don't have to put that in your story because it's weird. And I so get that it's weird. Um, But because we still believed that he could live, I feel like we didn't go through all the processes of getting ready for him to die the way that maybe you would if you were certain that this was it. And so the next several weeks are just terrible. She doesn't know what they did this for. She's just trying to pick up the pieces. They have to organize a memorial service, a funeral. And then at some point, people are sending her these grief books. People send you a bunch of grief books after your child dies. And, like, you kind of look at them, but you also kind of just don't. Like, because you don't care if your grief is like anyone else's, and you don't care what you're supposed to be feeling. But I kind of was, like, thumbing through them, and one thing I read talked about that grief is all of the feelings you have, and mourning is what you create out of those feelings or what you do with them. And so she realizes that the game is... Now it's become their morning. And we had money set aside to, like, put up a, a grave marker, a tombstone. And I finally thought, you know, like, the gravestone's supposed to be the memorial for him. And, like, you're making his memorial. So, like, let's take this money we've set aside for this and use it to build the game. And when the game is done, we can always go back and do the gravestone. But just, like, I love that we're doing this. Like, I love that we're putting everything we have into this game. And it feels like Joel deserves, like... He deserves to have everything from us, all of our emotion, all of our investment, all of our money. Like, I'm sort of glad that it cost us everything. And this brings us to the cathedral. Ryan decides that the only way to capture those final months of Joel's life and his death is by setting it all in a cathedral. And not just any cathedral. This will be the place that contains all of their feelings about losing Joel. And for the player, it will be the climax of the game. So when you walk into the cathedral, you're uh, in this narrow hallway with vaulted ceilings. All the stone is white and smooth. It almost looks like it was carved from a single piece of rock. You leave the hallway, go in, and now the ceiling soars up above you. The cathedral is full of light and you're heading towards the light. As you move, though, you realize that you're walking very slowly because the cathedral is so large. And you immediately have this feeling of being in a holy place. But Ryan also wanted it to represent the human body, Joel's body. So the pillars twist and turn like ribs. They curve as they rise up into the ceiling. And as you look up into the ceiling, you see that there is um, carvings of, of flora and these stone flowers that are embedded in the ceiling, almost like a garden. I wanted the cathedral to feel alive or full of life, but also frozen. But here's the thing. To Ryan, this doesn't totally describe those last months with Joel. When you fight cancer, you're burning cells, you're poisoning the body, you're doing all these things to kill something. We do all this damage in our quest to, like, seek life. 
the cathedral has to show that damage. So Ryan removed all of that heavenly light and he snaked these neon tubes along the floor. The tubes started as this idea of all the different things that we had hooked up to Joel throughout his whole illness, whether it be IV nutrition or chemotherapy or antibiotics. And he just kept going until the player is bathed in neon light. I've, I've in a sense, turned it into this neon nightclub. I mean, there's this, there's this sense that I, I have these neon crosses, and there's the cross up on the altar is like wrapped in a vine of neon, and there's, there's neon vines like crawling the pillars to the left and to the right. He's trying to say, like, these are the unnatural things that we do in order to stay alive. But the crosses, Amy didn't like them. They seemed false. So Ryan removed them. And then he had this thought. We have all these tubes and things for chemo, but I want to put in the machines that were keeping Joel alive. And so he starts building equipment. Very loud, almost steampunk-type contraptions that you would um, press a button to keep them going. The user would have to, like, fiddle with the levers and make things just right so that that Joel's getting what he needs to stay alive. And then we kind of leaned into that even more because there was this scaffolding and there was this huge stained glass depiction of Joel and I that wasn't done yet. And so you would climb the scaffolding and you'd put in a piece of glass, um, but then you would look down and you'd see the indicator for his oxygen or food was running low, so you would run back down the scaffolding and want to, like, change the dials or press the button and then run back up the scaffolding. But then, after months of building these machines, he gets rid of them. Why do you decide to take out the machines then? Like, why does that whole section go? Um, so I didn't want people to feel like they could kill Joel. Like, that it was their fault that he died. And then he thinks, you know what, this is all, this is all a little morbid. And so on the right side of the cathedral, I replaced the oxygen tank with this huge um, installation of an amusement park. An amusement park inside the cathedral. Because during those last two months in San Francisco, the family had loved going to Disneyland. So for starters... I had this shooting gallery. Can I actually shoot the target? Yeah, you can shoot the target. Like, you can pick up you can pick up these little rifles tethered to the stand. And you aim at these chickens. You could, like, shoot the animals and they would turn into fried chicken. But after months and months of work, Ryan decides this amusement park is distracting from the bigger idea of those final weeks, which is asking God for mercy. So he scraps the entire park. Ryan has been stuck inside this cathedral. He spent a year on it, drawing and redrawing those final weeks of his son's life. Hundreds of drafts. In the most recent version, there are these prayer candles. And every time you light one, you hear a prayer from the night of Joel's death. Oh, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. My God, come save him. I've spoken to Ryan several times during this whole process. Sometimes he sounds defeated, but other times he's happy and upbeat. 
And whenever he thinks he finally has it, he shows it to Amy, who looks at it and says, I don't think that's right. And it's been hard, I think, for both of us to get to a place where we say, you can't say all the things. The cathedral can't say all the things we want it to say. I just had to cut something else in the game because we couldn't finish it. And it's hard because you just want to never finish it and make it as beautiful as possible. And I don't know. Like, there's part of me that feels like we betray the project by finishing it. But, of course, they have to finish it. There's investors. There's a release date. And the thing is, the longer Ryan works on this cathedral, the further away Joel gets. What's disappointing to me is how quickly it fades. Um, Joel, how, how the memories and the... The person of Joel fades because he's not here. He's a, he becomes more and more an idea. This, this game is not him. It's just an echo of him. It's not, it's not even the best echo of him. I think that's the thing that I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. As, we've, as we're approaching the end of this, like what, did, what, did we, what did we do all this for? Why, why is it that, why did we do this? The game is coming out mid-January. The cathedral is magnificent, but to Ryan, it will always be unfinished. Can you show me the last scene with the pancakes? Sure. Ryan was able to finish the place that comes right after the cathedral. It's the scene where you say goodbye to Joel. You find yourself in a boat next to Joel. There's no oars. You're headed towards an island. You get there, you walk along a small path, and you end up in a clearing in the woods. There's a picnic blanket, and Joel's sitting on it. I remember you. You made it too. I'm glad you're here. I love it here. I bet you like it too. And around him are all the things he loved the most. Look at all of these pancakes. A huge stack of pancakes, way, way bigger than him. A little dog. I always wanted a dog, and now I got one. And bubbles. You can blow him bubbles. I love bubbles. So, bubbles? Look, I can touch one. (laughs) Colin, if you blow bubbles. What's your record? You can, uh, you can blow them for as long as you want. Okay. Okay, Joel. I love my bubbles. I'm here, Andrew. Have another pancake. Man, you love syrup. Me too. Syrup is my favorite pie. And you just keep blowing bubbles. I love bubbles. So bubbles. And at some point, you just walk away. Look, I can touch one. (laughs) I want more bubbles. Reply All producer Shruti Pinamineni. 
That Dragon Cancer comes out January 12th. Reply All is PJ Vote and me, Alex Goldman. We were produced this week by Tim Howard, Shruti Pinamineni, and Fia Bennett. Our editor is Peter Clowney. Production assistance by Kalila Holt. We were mixed by Rick Kwan. Matt Lieber is the quiet stillness of the year's first snowfall. Special thanks to filmmakers David Osset and Malika Zuhali Worrell, who allowed us to use footage from their documentary, Thank You for Playing, which is about the creation of that dragon cancer. You can learn more about the film and where you can see it at thankyouforplaying.com. Special thanks also to Jad Abumrad, Soren Wheeler, Jamie York, Eilish O'Neill, John Hillman, and Josh Larson. Our theme song is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, and our ad music is by Build Buildings. You can find us at our website, replyall.ninja, or on iTunes at itunes.com slash replyall. While Shruti was reporting this story, we found out that Wired Magazine was doing a big article on that dragon cancer. There's beautiful photos and video at wired.com slash that dragon cancer. Thanks to our sponsor, CISO. Go to CISO.com to stream original comedy series like the UCB show, that's the Upright Citizens Brigade show. CISO is $3.99 per month, and it's ad-free. You can even try the site for free. That's CISO.com, S-E-E-S-O.com. And Squarespace, build it beautiful. Use the offer code REPLY to sign up for Squarespace at squarespace.com and get 10% off your first purchase.